Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of RTA Radio, the podcast focused on self-care, self-sustainability, and self-liberation. I am your host, Silas Soul, and as always, I am joined by the lovely and talented and staring off at a wall, Jackie Kerouac. Hello, Hello Jackie. Hi. <laughs> um, and we have another bonus episode for you this week, uh, as, uh, as only our patrons can see at the moment, we are joined by another guest. Um, we will get to him in one second. Just before that, as always, this podcast is covered by the BIPCOT No Government License. This allows for use and reuse by anyone except governments and the agents thereof. You can find out more information about this at BIPCOT.org. So, yes, like I said, we are back. This is another bonus episode. I believe it is bonus episode number six. If not, it might be number seven, but who cares? We'll figure that and we'll, we'll fix that in post. Um, but we are here. We are joined this week by Josh, the renegade butcher who has uh, been nice enough to give us his time. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show and the pre-show, which of course only our patrons can catch. So if you're not on that list yet, and you want to see the video of this and the full conversation that takes place before and after the show as well. And you uh, do. Yes, please consider, <laughs> please consider checking out our Patreon and joining up. Uh, we don't ask for a lot. I think I think it's set at the lowest possible setting. As long as you uh, do a $1 monthly subscription, yeah, you get access to this. Um, we do have higher tiers for some of our other content. But all these shows, um, which usually come out early, um, and the full video, you can find there. So uh, patreon.com slash road to autonomy. Uh, anyway, so yes, Josh. Thank you for joining us today, man. I, I really appreciate you giving us our time and uh, hopefully giving us some perspective on the uh, meat world. Hey, I'm glad y'all uh, asked me to come on. Uh, how y'all doing today? Uh, uh, as always, uh, well, I'm I'm trying to beat the heat. Uh, like you, I am in the yeah. southern-ish Texas area, although I'm even further south in Laredo, where it's supposed yeah. to be. We're scheduled to be 106 all weekend. I am in a Whew. crappy motel trying to keep Van Dogo and I cool. Uh, the air conditioner is barely working, but you know what? This is what you get when you pay for a fifty dollar room in Laredo. <laughs> yeah, and even uh, <laughs> everybody's uh, good air conditioner is still struggling in this heat this year. It's been something else. Uh, it's only about a hundred two where I'm at, but it's only, that humid yeah. heat. I'm on that southeast side, so we're, we're we got that Louisiana weather. Oh but, yeah, you, uh, you know. Yeah, down the it's, a lot it's been so hot the last couple of months. I almost get used to it. Like when it's below 90, I'm, I'm almost chilled. It's it's crazy how we, we kind of adapt to that. But yeah, we got some rain uh day before yesterday. I got like three quarters of an inch. And it was glorious. Oh, nice. First Ooh. rain we've had like two months. So, I mean, it's dry as the bone still out here, but uh, it was nice. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, th well, that type of heat. As soon as as soon as it rains, it's dry like an hour later. Yeah, uh, I, I know. I, I know that stuff. I was actually I was recently in Louisiana for a few days. <laughs> Man, Doggo and I were different. We didn't have <laughs> yeah, I mean, I grew I grew up in the in the Northeast where it gets pretty darn humid out by the ocean right. and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. And we get we got you know 90, 100 degree temperatures up in New York, um, uh, where I'm from originally. Uh, oh yeah. But, but yeah, I was I spent. It, it wasn't I, nine months of the year. It was just yeah. Like, it was you know, two three. <laughs> We, 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 I don't even remember where, where the heck we were down down near uh, somewhere near Baton Rouge, and it mm. was yeah it was it was ninety 
two for the couple of days we were there, but the humidity was 87%. So <laughs> I just felt like I was dying the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah. You're like in a swimming pool the entire time. Well, and I'll tell people I'm in Texas all the time, and they, they think, oh, man, it's like a desert out there, isn't it? I'm like, not my spot. We get like 50 inches of rain a year. It's like a, there's like wow. bayous in my backyard. It's crazy. It's a big state. But I grew up yeah, in I was the gonna... West, right on the Mississippi River. So it was always that humidity all yeah. year round. But, I mean, you got a cornfield on one side and a river on the other side. But, you know, we'd get the Texas summers for like three months and we'd get those Minnesota winters, too. So we'd have that huge temperature swing. I don't miss yep. that at all. Down here, it's it's all right. But I'll tell you, what, I am ready for it to cool the hell off. This year has been something else. This drought has been rough on me and everybody else who's trying to raise meat, too. So uh, mm-hmm. that affects the industry and a lot of the uh, a lot of the individ- individual independent folks who are trying to do this. But that's just weather. We can't control that. What we can control is uh, not having somebody up your ass telling you what you can and can't do with your own food. Hey, yeah. Man. So, the, uh, it's hopefully a problem I can try to help address. I can't I can't change the weather as much as I'd like to. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, don't you know? It's been so, I mean, apparently it's been so hot. I mean, how many cows just dropped dead wars out of it? Was that Kansas? Uh, you know, it was, which, around, which, uh, it was in know, Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, it was somewhere in Kansas. It might have been close to, close to Kansas City. I'm not sure. Right. Um, but yeah, that I mean, that that story was funny. I, I, I can't I, say that they didn't die from the heat, but it, it makes me raise my eyebrows a lot because as somebody it, who works with cattle and, and cattle ranchers quite a bit, it doesn't quite add up. There's I was going to say, I mean, I, I know, I mean, obviously you're, you're more well versed in it than I am. But I, um, you know, I know a little bit about cows and right. uh, I, I travel the country extensively and I know there's different just like dogs. There's different breeds and there's there's right. ones that are more adaptable to certain climates, just like with any animal. But I mean, I drive through the deserts all over the place and I see people raising cattle, you know, and, and, and they're it, out. It, it, it gets hot in Kansas. It gets hot. Oh, it, it does. It, it didn't but... get that hot that fast that you would literally see that many cows in one place fall over dead, especially the way they were pictured. When cows get hot, what do they do? They go to water, and if they yeah. don't have water to get into, they roll around in the mud. Those yep. cows were clean, looked like they've been groomed for show. And they were not standing bunched up around the water trough or looking for something to drink. They were like laid out in a pile. Or like just kind of in a group, that doesn't make sense. It looked like somebody gassed them. It's bizarre, and I don't think anybody went and collected all the dead cows, washed them off, and laid them out in the field to take this picture. That's an extensive amount of freaking work. It just nothing made sense to me for that. And I've been through Kansas. It gets it gets toasty there. Yeah, it's not like it was thirty degrees hotter that day. Well, than that's it was the... the day before. I mean, it, yeah. I, I'm not like I said. I'm I'm not. I wasn't there. I, I didn't see any of it. I'm not going to say that it wasn't weather related, but it didn't add up to me as somebody who's worked with a lot of cattle. But when you add it to the last what year and a half, we've had how many food plants set on fire and burned down? How many, you know, different sources of food just get destroyed? You cannot honestly sit back and look at it and not see that there is a war on our food supply going on right now. Hundred percent. It's planned. It's planned. So while that may or may not been a part of that concerted effort to restrict our food for whatever agenda is being pushed, it's you know after a while it's like the boy who cried wolf. You you look at it and go, how's that not part of this shit? Yeah. 
my whole <laughs> life. That's my whole life. I'm like, right? fuck but off. it's been, it's been amped up the last year or two. If, if it, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe it's just that I notice it more, but to me, it seems like they're really, they're pushing this agenda. Uh, the, it's the whole, you're, you're going to eat bugs. You're going to own nothing and you'll be happy kind of thing. They, they, they want, they want that world. Every enemy of the state is created by the state. Like, I mean, they're their own demise, you know, like every one of these people that are waking up and finding more and more reason to distrust uh, the mainstream. They did that, you know, like. Well, you wouldn't distrust government if they didn't do distrustful shit. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. (laughs) If they were actually honest and had your best interest in heart, then why are there so many people questioning what's really going on here? Yeah, it's it just it's just it's wild to me how how some are so afraid to take that burden on and like admit that it's happening, like when it's so blatant. Well, it's a scary thing because it is. If you think about it, if you're somebody who's not of that mindset already, who's not experienced that and dealt with that sort of thing, you know. The last thing you want to do is question your entire worldview and, and everything you live in. You don't want to sit back and go, man, the world's broken. The system's broken. It's a lot easier to go, everything will be okay. The government will take care of it. They've got my best interest at heart. It's nobody wants to sit back and realize, hey, you know, that apocalypse we're scared of. I think we're kind of living it. It's just a <sighs> slow motion. It's not like the movies where somebody flips a switch and the world ends. It's a slow decline. You know, I don't think people, I, I, I wish I it could is really heavy. And, it is. I yeah. want to talk to some people. I, I, now that I think about that, I should go to some nursing homes and interview some people and talk to people who lived through the great depression. Right now we're dealing with mostly people who like were kids in that time and go, mm-hmm. Hey, when you were living in the great depression, did you realize you were in a depression? Did you realize at that time how bad it was or was it just normal life for you? Because things sucked, you know? I mean, most folks who were alive during that time right now were, were young children at the time. And, yeah. I mean, you know, at growing up in a Midwestern household where we were in poverty, and I mean, we were struggling to, to have a pound of hamburger to split between four or five people in a, in a meal. Uh, most days, sometimes it was less than that. I didn't realize I grew up poor. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. realize how bad things really were until I got older and experienced other things. So in a way, I feel like a lot of these big recessions, depressions, you know, falls of society, I don't think the people who live through it really quite realize what's happening because it doesn't happen overnight. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. In, in general. Yeah. I think with the, the depression in particular, I, I, I know right. a lot of the people that I've read read about and or, and or listened to or actually talked to who, who were through it. I, and because now, I mean, Jesus Christ. Time just keeps flying because I was thinking about as you were saying that I'm like, yeah, <laughs> the depression was what end of the 20s into the 30s. So yeah, yeah. any anybody who is still alive is is already closing in on 100. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so anybody and so they who, were very young at the time. Any anybody yeah. who actually lived through it, they wouldn't have known. Um, but the people I know that I like again, all the people that I've come across over the years who were older at the time like when it first started happening right. they didn't understand it but a lot of people did start to see you know the, see the writing it, on the wall it, it, it continued and it, it just wasn't getting any better and they and right. people were like you but you i were it's not like everybody woke up one day all of a sudden and said this is a problem because there would have been what massive oh no yeah, oh yeah, that yeah. It happened. it was a slow 
increase yeah. of people who were starting to become awake to this. Yeah. This is not okay. And that's what we're seeing now. That's what we're living now. We're seeing people slowly start to realize mm -hmm. there's a problem. This yeah. is not, this is not right. This is not how the world's supposed to be. And who's responsible for it? Well, that's yeah. a very hard uh, finger to, and, and I, I understand. Well, and everybody points a finger in different directions too. That's exactly. We don't have exactly everybody right. going. Well, that, yeah, that's by. They're that's, the problem. You know, that, everybody wants to blame everybody else and they use that as a tool to manipulate mm -hmm. us as well, yeah. we're being trained yeah. that everybody who doesn't agree with you in whatever thoughts you've been fed or whatever, whoever you follow on social media and their thoughts, the other people are the problem mm -hmm. by bifurcating and dividing people so much. We create, they, they make that monster under the bed for everybody. It doesn't yeah. matter whether it's the right, the left, the up, the down, the wherever point it at somebody else. So you're not looking at the real source of things. Yeah, exactly. Vote harder. You'll fix it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's what I was gonna say. That is, yeah, most mo most of that is well, as I always say, whether it was by, by design or just happenstance, they do make use of it pretty well. Because oh, absolutely, um, there, there's plenty. Never of, let a good tragedy go to waste, right? Yeah, but there's there's plenty of issues out there that that get people riled up on their own without any help of the uh, the parasites that be, as I refer to them. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. You know, but the, whether whether they set up certain things to 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 push people, you know, as as that famous that horrible, horrible human being, Cass Sunstein's book, Nudge, back in the day, um, describing exactly what they what they wanted to, how, how to how to go about pushing people in this, these directions, um, whether they're doing it um, by design or whether, the, you know, people get riled up on their own. It's like, oh, let's take advantage of this. Perfect. <laughs> let's it's like just, a meme let's I saw the other day. Uh, 1984 was not supposed to be an instruction manual. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the, it, it's funny because as back back in my hardcore status days, um, and I really was a, a very hardcore status. I mean, I think I might have told the story. I think all of us were in one way or another. Well, except, except, except Jackie except, over there. Jackie the, apparently was the, the, the purest. I mean, the purest. Right. Um, and I, mean, I, but, I, I grew up in a very alt homes uh, homeschool kind of weird religiously cultish type thing too. So I came from a very different perspective. But still, I think every one of us who kind of broke free of wherever. I think we all had that breaking free of what we came from in one way or another, you were a status in that you bought into some sort of system. Most people who were naive and bought into some sort of system is going to fix it, whether it was political or not. And it's a hard road to break free of that too. And I think I still find myself breaking systems in my mind. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I was just, my, I was, I was gonna say that, um, you know, I, the story is that I, I was so bad because talk about believing in systems. Um, when I first started, my, I had a pet sitting company back in the day, and uh, before I started, when I first started it, I was so um, indoctrinated in everything that I went to go find out about if I needed a license or anything like that or any type of permits to run the business, and when I found out there wasn't. Instead of being happy and be going, yay, I don't have to, I don't have to pay. Why is there electric fees? I, yeah, I went why, and then I petitioned my local government to install one. That's how bad yeah. I was. So, um, so yeah, people, you know. So we were talking about this before the before the show, the pre-show that you know some people get a, get a little hard on the people like that and say, oh, you can never learn. It's like if I can learn, if somebody like me who right. was that indoctrinated that actually begged for government to, to, to <laughs> step on my neck hard step on me harder daddy that 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 you know that, that meme um 
Like if I can make, oh, if I can turn, I around, want the cleats. I want the cleats. <laughs> anybody, exactly. <laughs> anybody can. Um, yeah. Before we get too far away from the main reason we have you here, well, this, this is a great conversation. But I, I wanted, to, I wanted to try to bring it back a little bit to why we had you on originally, which ties into the whole autonomy thing. Um, is what you do because as as we we talked about, you are Josh the Renegade Butcher. Um, right. We did talk about this a little bit um, in the pre-show, but um, for our audience. And all the people listening to the uh, regular uh, podcast feed, uh, um, what exactly is it uh, that you do? How'd you get into this? And um, you know, where uh, yeah. where, where are you trying to take it? And uh, how can that be helpful to uh, to uh, people like us trying to seek our own autonomy Ab- constantly? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Probably good to circle back to the actual point of having me here. Uh, well, so I grew up, uh, like I said, in kind of a a, a different homeschool sort of environment. Never really got into meat processing or anything like that. I, I think in a way I was kind of always a little bit of an entrepreneur. I did some uh, interesting stuff as I was a kid. I, I, I did some lawn care and whatnot. Uh, I went and worked through grocery stores, went to college, did the whole what you're supposed to do, get a degree, go go do your thing and uh, never stuck. Uh, I'd always end up getting just bogged down in whatever was going on and stepping away from it. And I kept coming back to doing my own thing. I ran a handyman business and stuff for a while. Opportunity came up to move down to Texas and get on some property with some family. And uh, I'd been listening to this crazy guy uh, on the survival podcast, Jack Spirico for a while and kept hearing oh, yeah. homesteading, yeah. homesteading bug. I've listened to him for a long time. I'll credit with him for a lot of the ideas I've had of getting, stepping away from the system and, and, you know, wanting to be more, follow that entrepreneur mindset. So it, it, it led me down here and I ended up uh, working for a, a deer processor. Just I want to take up a temporary part-time job just till I figure out what I want to do when I come down here. And, you know, I knew I wanted to get the homesteading. I knew I wanted more freedom, more liberty in my life, not to be dependent on others. And uh, well, I ended up sticking around. Uh, they ended up having me cut for their meat case. I ended up in a managerial position there. Uh, it was absolute shit show as far as the people who were involved with it and their family, a lot of just stupid personal drama, small business type crap, but really toxic environment. I ended up breaking away from there as another processor opened up not too far down the road. And they were doing full scale processing, like literally walk it off the trailer when someone drops it off, send it back home to them in backpack bags. Uh, everything from the slaughter side to full scale sausage production, bacon, charcuterie, stuff like that. So I, and I took to it for some reason, even though it wasn't something I grew up doing, I took to it. It was, it just clicked. And I, I, I have that thing. I learn a skill and then I almost get bored and I have to shake it up. I have to keep challenging myself. So it got to a point. I ended up running the kill floor there, running the slaughter floor. And they wanted me off there. They wanted to be inside work and helping them break everything down. But I didn't want to give up working out there because I knew no matter what, no matter whether I could do all the rest of the stuff or not, nobody was going to handle shit the way I would out here. Nobody was going to care about the animal's welfare the way I was. Nobody was going to care about the first crucial step in making sure it was done right because everything else in the process depends on that first step. You know, you can't you can't polish shit. So you've got to start out right. And uh, from there, the rest of it really just depended on things. So while I was there, I stayed out there. I, I pretty much shot myself in the foot as far as getting a lot of uh, a lot of raisins in advancing because of what I did there. Uh, but finally, with all the crazy pandemic stuff that went on, uh, they got really busy. And the guy who ran it, 
he kind of ran it for some family members. He had the money. He made his money doing insurance sales. And uh, when he realized this, this was finally profitable, he saw dollar signs and decided to come in with that mindset of let's cut the corners, crunch everything down, milk the profit out of this. And some stuff that uh, I was not okay with started going on. So I decided to step out and start doing things on my own. I set up a business, uh, just said, look, I, I butcher will travel. I've got knives. I've got the skill. I'll show up to you. We'll figure it out between you and me, but I will come and help you process your own animals on site because we'd even get a lot of calls while I worked there of, Hey, I've got a cow that broke a leg. Nobody will take it. I can't get it. This animal won't load up. Will anybody come to me? There's nobody around doing that. You know, nobody's going to be, nobody can. So they're stuck figuring it out themselves. And I mean, you could YouTube university that shit all day long, but it's not the same as, you know, having the background and experience doing it. It's a big project. It's intimidating. So I decided I've got a skill set and I want to share that. And I started having a lot of people who would hire me to come process their stuff for them. And halfway through, they'd go, you know, we're going to be honest. Our plan was to have you out here once, learn from you, and then not have you back. But you'll be back next time because we didn't realize what was all involved. Uh, <laughs> it started to click to me that, you know, and I, I had people who would hire me too, just straight up. Like, we want you to teach us. Some folks would give me give me a hard time and say, why would, why are you teaching people how to do what you know how to do? Aren't you shooting yourself in the foot? Well, first of all, there's no shortage of work out there. There's yeah. a lot of this that's needed. And you know what? This is kind of a dying art. So if I can pass that on to other people, I feel like I should, you know, that I, I've gained this skill. Why am I going to bogart that and hoard it? So, and then eventually the state caught up to what I was doing. I was careful with how I did it. There is an exemption in the state law, uh, that, you know, the state health department and the USDA operate under that basically it gives an exemption for personal use. It says, as long as it's your meat, your property, it doesn't ever go anywhere. You're not taking it somewhere and bringing it back. They have no jurisdiction to inspect. So I made sure everything I did was for the owners or whoever was involved in it had all pre-bought and were a part owner of that before it was always done on site. And, you know, I'll be like, you do what you want. But as far as my side goes everything's labeled not for sale uh to my knowledge it's all going to be for as the law states for you know the owner their family and non-paid guests and just kind of cover my ass so when i finally had the state you know one of the two enforcement officers in the state show up at my customer's place i had a full printed copy right there of the entire legislation highlighted with a personal use exemption and be like this is what we're doing and he goes I already knew you were going to say that because they had a file about that thick on all the social media posts that I had. Oh, and, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Well, they've been watching me for a while, but it's a complaint driven system. So they can't actually, they don't actually waste their time on people who are out there doing shit the right way unless somebody complains. Well, I finally had some people competing in this circle who went and kissed the state's ass and said, if you'll actually license mobile processing, we'll do whatever you want. And as soon as they did that, they, you know, started using the state as a weapon following everybody's social media, sending all the stuff in. And when they finally had something they could report on, they showed up and gave me a little visit. And the guys was pretty cool. Honestly, as a person, uh, I sat and had probably a three hour conversation with him. He was an ex butcher. He knew he's like, man, your place is cleaner. Your setup's better than half the places that I end up in. Your labels are more in compliance with half the people who have a license. You just don't have a license to do this. And I was like, well, I don't need one based on this. He goes, yeah. yeah, I understand why you read it that way, but that's not how we're going to enforce it. <laughs> so it was one of those deals where I'm like, I could probably take it before a judge and, and 
you know, have it overturned. But at the same time, what happens then? I think the entire state of Texas Health Department enforces this, go to war with them, and they're going to find another reason to be up my ass forever. I don't want to make an enemy of the state. That's just stupid. You know, I can't help anybody if I'm in club fed. Yeah. So it, uh, I, I talked to him for a while, kind of figured out some other loopholes and ways to work with things. Uh, I've, I've talked to some other head inspectors on the phone. Uh, there's a path for me to get a custom exempt license and everything with the truck, which I think will be beneficial for me in the long run. Cause it gives me a good platform to do some educational stuff, some videos, some classes. It's the minimal amount of state intervention. So we, I might go down that road. It costs a lot of money, takes a lot of time and it's a bunch of red tape to do. So in the meantime, I am doing as much education as I can because I they can't tell me that I can't show up and educate you and teach you how to process your own if you're interested. There's no license for teaching in the state of Texas. Uh, there's nothing that prevents uh, prevents me from taking equipment that I have and renting it to you to use yourself or providing packaging materials at a cost for you to use yourself. So it's one of those. It's how you present it. I've had to shift gears there and since going to float fest last year and running into a bunch of guys that i've followed with as far as podcasters and stuff people i've listened to for years kind of getting in with them talking to them befriending them they've kind of kicked me in the ass and said you need to be doing some content creation as well so i've started up the liberty meet solutions podcast not just liberty meet solutions is consulting and uh i've had so many people that like the sausage i do during deer season I can't sell deer sausage to you. I can't ship sausage to you. There's a lot of intricacies and legal bullshit that goes on there. What I can do, though, is get uh, the seasonings that I use made into seasoning blends that are similar to what I provide and get them produced, white labeled, created exactly to my recipes and ship them nationwide. So we're trying to build the funds for that. I have to do 200 pounds at a time per batch. So we're crowdfunding the first couple of batches. Once we get that going, it's going to be a thing. So we're doing renegade butcher seasonings. So I'm kind of diversifying as much as I can, pushing this out here to the, the liberty-minded, freedom-minded homesteading communities that all think like this. And I have so many folks who are like, the fact that you're like, screw the system, is uh, it's a selling point. You know, oh, yeah. we want to work with people like that. So since yeah. then, the whole idea... I. It was a joke one night. I sat around and went, oh, ooh, I'm like a renegade butcher. And I went and I just looked up. I'm like, renegadebutcher.com is not taken. Shit. Oh, yeah. You got to so buy, now, you gotta buy not that. Only is, <laughs> not only has it been the, the, the seasoning line, now we've got the merch from it and everything like that, too. But it kind of just became the social media personality, which is great because it fits me. It's always been that I'm, I'm the butcher. But at the same time, I'm like, screw the system. Not just the system. Not just the government. Not just all this. But the whole centralized food processing, meat processing system. It's a broken system that we're all dependent on. And it's why nobody who's listening, well, I'm sure some do, but most who are, li are listening to this right now have no clue how to process their own animals. A generation or two ago, that was unheard of. If you raised animals, you at least knew how to do it. You might've yep. taken it to a butcher because they knew how to do it better, but you at least could do it yourself if you had to. Yeah. Nowadays, throw a rock and if somebody hasn't grown up hunting, they don't have a freaking clue Correct. how to do it. And that's going to have to change coming up here in the future, because if you are in this space at all and you've tried to get a spot to go get your stuff processed, you know, it's six months to a year. Most places in the country right now, Been that way since the beginning of the whole scamdemic crap, but it's not gotten better. And the more people want to depend on local farmers and buying, if you can't raise it yourself, try to buy from somebody, you know, that's a great thing. But the system itself hasn't caught up to that. 
and it's going to be years until it does. So the only way to really decentralize, which, you know, decentralize equals freedom, equals liberty, gives you the choice. The only way to do that is to start empowering individuals to learn how to do this themselves. So that's kind of what I've been on a mission to do recently. Yeah. Rad. Super yeah. rad. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's 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 very exciting to hear because, like uh, we had talked about a little bit in the in the pre-show. I mean, like I've heard some of these stories and I see some of this stuff going around, and I know some people. But to talk to somebody who's actually been in it, because yeah. I mean, I the, the processing thing became an issue. Um, what, was was there problems with some of the the major plants too? Was that how, was that what was the things like when everybody was freaking out during the whole you know COVID yeah. gonna us crap? Uh, there's about five major meat processors in the u.s and they're all they're who knows they're probably all still owned by the same people uh but it's a big conglomerate bullshit and most of the laws that are in in place right now that make it hard for small processors or individuals to process are in place because they were lobbied by those big five processors because it's they got the money to yeah, well. jump through whatever hoops you know it's it's basic monopoly but all there's not that many major processing plants. We're talking plants that literally process millions of animals per year. If you go to any store and buy something that is retail there, it was probably passed through barely more than a dozen plants in the U.S. Yeah. Ew, really? What happens when, yeah. What happens when you have thousands of employees in a building and we have a pandemic scare? Everybody either said we're not going to fucking show up and work or they restricted things and shut plants down because you have too many people working in close proximity. You can't slaughter cows all day wearing a mask. It's not going to yeah. work. You know, we're worried about the guy breathing next to you and you got blood spatter all over you. You know, a paper mask isn't doing shit for you. So we had either these plants shutting down because the company said we need to do this or we had so many people just not showing up. They're like, fuck that shit. We're going on strike. So one after the other, we had a lot of these plants start shutting down. Nobody could get their shit processed. That's why we had people culling massive amounts of pigs, piling them up and just killing them because, well, we've got the next batch being born and we can't feed those. So we've got to we can't get these processed. Yeah. So if we can't sell them, we got to kill them. It costs us more to not. That's we had that going wild. on. Had, I know. And uh, so everybody who was trying to get their stuff processed, like private people, started going to the small independent butchers. The little hole in the wall guys who were processing like FFA kids, animals and stuff like that. Those guys have been expanding as fast as they can, adding on, growing as much as they're able to during the material shortage shit where you couldn't build on. And they just can't keep up. They cannot keep up with that demand. So the little guys are trying the best that they can. And it just, it, what they're able to do can't keep up with what's, what the need is. So it's put everybody to that point where they've got to book wow. people out. And most folks that I know, even folks that are in the kind of my space that dealt with the state and got the license, uh, some good friends of mine that went through the whole process of it and they finally got licensed after they got shut down. Uh, they're booked out into January already right now. And that's showing wow. up on your at your place processing for you and leaving the meat there, never taking anything with. Wow. Yeah. Fuck. It's insane. Yeah. I'm but... glad I got a meat guy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you got one, hang on to it for sure. Yeah. But I got a couple uh, now. It's, yeah, right. It's it's a hard hard it's it, wow. it for one thing there's a lot of opportunity in that space right now because there's so much demand there's a lot of room for growth there's a good it's a good time to start something up if you're interested in it if you are thinking 
man, I should start raising meat and processing it, you know, for, for individuals and selling it. Yeah. Cover your bases, do your research, but jump in because now's the time to do it. But at the same time, if you're thinking I'm going to rely on somebody else to process my shit, boy, are you in for a rude awakening? Yeah. Sounds yeah, like it. Holy I, I mean, shit. it's, I, I mean, obviously this is the, you know, inevitable effects of, of government policy as always. Oh, for sure. Um, cause like you said, it was just like, it, that, that's what I was. Monopolies are great until they aren't. Until yeah. they fail. But I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad you explained all that because that's what I was that's that's where I was trying to get that's where I was that's what I was hoping to get out of you by asking that question. <laughs> which, so it was a it was a perfect answer because that really is. I mean, you see, yeah. that all took place over the first year or so of of, of the COVID nonsense. Yep. So yep. now here we are. Enough. Now we yeah, hear I mean, now we here we are a year and a half after that, and mm -hmm. we're still dealing with the after effects. And as we've mentioned right. before in different contexts, in both here and in the pre-show. There's so many people that are starting to figure out things are wrong, but may still be blissfully unaware of the actual, right. like the, the whole cascade of events that you just described and how it went from this to this, to this. And now here we are two and a half years later, still, still dealing with the after effects, which is why, as you've said multiple times, and I, I can't um, do anything but wholeheartedly agree with the fact that it's, it's imperative at this point that more people either learn how to do this themselves or get together in groups where you have at least that one trusted individual where sure. you know built building those those smaller communities as, if, as we've if, talked about if the you're past. in a position to right now somehow be involved in producing at least some of your own food do it i mean i yeah. understand not everybody is if you have any ability to even produce some part of your own food that's a huge amount of freedom. And you know yeah. what? It's a, it's building a skill. And if you are not in a position to do that, you need to have people in your network who are. You need to be involved yes. in that process to some point, whether it's helping to grow a garden, whether it is being involved or pitching in or learning how to help process meat or grow things, directly communicating with the farmer, the rancher, whoever is raising that food mm -hmm. for you because that is building independence and you yes. are building that network outside of that system. You have a direct line to knowing I'm going to be able to get food from these people and they trust me and they know me relying yeah. on, you know, your local grocery store is a dangerous situation to be in right now. I mean, you know, like we said, as far as people waking up, we kind of talked about it a little bit in the pre-show uh, for a while. There was, there was a couple of weeks there, you know, where everything kind of got kind of hairy and it wasn't, all the same place everywhere. It got spotty. You couldn't find chicken. You couldn't find ribeyes. You know, you went to the store. A lot of people kind of went, something's not right. And that's where we saw this huge spike in the small processor side of things where everybody was suddenly interested in buying direct from the farmer or going out and buying something themselves and taking it to a butcher and getting it processed. Never had more people that wanted to just buy a quarter of beef, buy half a beef, and put it in their freezer. People who had never, it was really kind of hairy from that side because people who had never gone through the process of getting half a cow butchered have no idea what cuts they're getting out of it or what to even ask for. It was yeah. all, We were constantly educating people who had no idea. Usually it was somebody who was, grew up doing that. Grandpa always had his cow butchered. I've, I've dealt with it. You know, It was easy for us on that end because they were familiar with it. Suddenly it was a bunch of people who were new to it, had no clue, and they were confused about what they were going to get. So that was a struggle. But it was encouraging to see so many more people interested in it. Well, you've got the flip side of it, too, where people saw that, they panicked, they freaked out, and then things kind of equalized and went back to normal. 
as the industry caught up. And now they're like, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> and they're going to be in for a real rude awakening when suddenly it's not okay. The people yeah. who started to see the writing on the wall, you know, they, that small sector, probably 5% of the population flooded what was left of the industry. The, all yeah. of the extra space, all of the small guys who had any room to get stuff done suddenly maxed out. So what's going to happen when that other 95% who wasn't awake is in shit. Yep. So if you're not able to handle your own shit now, get yourself in a position where you can at least start to, because when things really, if things get worse, I almost want, I want to say when, but I don't want to be that guy. But if things get any worse than they did, which is a highly probable thing, there's a million ways things can get bad. What we saw was like pandemic light. You know, if anything serious ever actually did happen, if it wasn't a big media scare, think of how bad it actually could get. Oh, I mean, absolutely. If, if like a less than 1% national death rate caused that, what happens when there is actually a real disaster or when oh. the government really does fail and all these systems you rely on really start to fall apart, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I won't notice, but the rest of the world will be hurting. Right. Real I, think bad. We'll, I think we'll all notice, <laughs> but I think some of us will be okay because we know how to be. But we'll notice. Yeah. You know? Maybe. It's not always the direct impact of I can't get this or I can't get that. It's all the other crazies who are freaking the fuck out because they can't. Well, yeah. well and that's that's what I noticed. Exactly right. I noticed yeah. the people that are like, have you noticed that the price of chicken is like through the roof? And I'm like, no, I, I haven't bought, mm -hmm. you know, well, you from see, the grocery store. In you want to see the world get dumped on its head. Just just open your history book and look at any time when a whole big group of people got real hungry. What happened? Oh well, yeah. Bad people, shit. Country yeah, I mean entire civilizations get overthrown because people get hungry enough. And and because yeah. of the way most people live, uh right. being you know, on top of being disconnected from the whole food source thing as we as yeah. we've discussed uh, before, the these people are um one or two days oh, of yeah. not eating from losing their minds. Whereas, how many, how you know, many like, do you know, they go to the grocery store for dinner every day. Well, yeah, they have a basic stock supply, like but a supply of food to get there's, by. On. There's so many, there, there's, there's so many people that just would be, you know, normally, I mean, it takes what you, you can survive on just water for like, I think a week at least. I, I, um, I think supposedly, it, well, yeah, if you, if you don't have water, I think it's water. Three days. At three most. days i think food if you, is no, three have, weeks. you have water if yeah it's three weeks for for food in theory yeah, three weeks yeah. yeah in theory but like most people will lose their minds i mean i've seen it oh, in yeah. real time we're talking about disasters i mean i lived through hurricane sandy up on long island where there was there was no power on half the island for two weeks well most people are cracked out on current corn and syrup, so if you don't and, eat in three hours you're probably gonna <laughs> yeah and most true. people started yeah. losing most people started losing their minds after like the, like like the crime rates actually started to rise within two days oh absolutely because um, people, people were losing angry their, like, people 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 were freaking out yeah. um you know they they don't they you know talk, we were talking earlier about whether people actually see this type of stuff happening like whether you're talking about like the great depression or something like if we if people maybe understood what was happening when it was happening um but like they don't even they don't even have time to think about it because they they just react as we can right, see right. well people start to see 
things are not okay. Things are not right. And then they start thinking about tomorrow. Well, what's yeah. going to happen if I can't get, if I can't get food now, what's going to happen if I can't get it tomorrow? Is it going to get worse? So, you know, people suddenly get into that mindset of, well, now I have to prepare. Now that we're in the shit, they start thinking about preparing for it. Yeah. But so, me- yeah, now, now it's like, well, I better go out and steal and, and, and you know, take what I need at gunpoint before it's not even available. Cause somebody else is going to take it if I don't, you know, yeah. and it's amazing to see what somebody you would consider a, a, a good moral person becomes when suddenly they're afraid that their basic needs aren't met. Cause I mean, that's what it comes down to. What's our basic needs, water, food, air. Shelf, shelf. Oh, uh, and, we're, and we're back again. <laughs> we're back again. As usually we had our customary uh, timeout because uh stupid Jitsi only records, only records one way and it makes it difficult. Anyway, you were talking about uh, people back after intermission. Needs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've got <laughs> what, basic, needs, basic what, needs. What we got like water, food, shelter, you know, uh, breathable air, things like that. And then, I mean, you can kind of extend that in modern society to, you know, things like, you know, money. And things like that because we're also dependent on that idea uh but you start taking those things away what happens well what happens when you take these systems which we have extensively done all throughout society and taking these systems that we all have learned and grown and been raised to depend on centralizing them well the thing about a centralized system is it's dependent on that centralized point if you de- you know, if, if anybody is familiar with prepping or whatnot, you know, one is none. Yep. You know, you, if you don't have backups, when something fails, not if, when yeah. something fails, you're in shit. So when all of your food is dependent on centralized sources, when those systems fail, you're fucked. Just like your water. If you don't have backup plans, if you don't have a way to deal with it, when something bad happens, like you, you mentioned Her- Hurricane Katrina. All that took was a natural disaster to disrupt a bunch of systems. And suddenly we saw everybody panicked because their basic needs were in jeopardy. And that realization that we all live with that's around us every day, I could walk outside and get hit by a bus right now, but we don't think about death. When suddenly all the systems we depend on start to fail and aren't there for us, we have to question, am I going to be here tomorrow? What's going to happen a week from now? If I don't do something now, even if it's immoral, even if it's scary, even if it hurts other people, if I don't do something now, I might not live. And so people are faced with that. Well, what happens when that happens on a massive scale over an, a, a region, a country, the world? Yeah. You know? And honestly, we're one, we didn't happen to see that on that telescope freaking asteroid impact away from that shit happening everywhere. So we don't know. I mean, we only understand i'm not trying to be conspiracy theorist doomsday here but honestly everything around us is pretty damn fragile and the more centralized it is in any way whether it's food or not the more you've got it propped up on one leg you know if you don't have that resiliency and you're dependent on what's local that network that's around you if you've got you know think of like plants uh, mushrooms, mycelium, you've got that network that's all interconnected. You can't kill one little part. You got a mushroom pops up. You don't just go pick that mushroom and the whole thing dies. That doesn't happen. It's got a network and it's resilient. There are backups. You cut down a tree, that tree falls. The tree's done. We're, we're depending on a, a system right now that's a couple of trees holding up everything. Yeah. 
build your network, connect to the people around you who are involved in providing for those basic needs and provide value back to them. That's the other thing. Don't just go find a guy and be like, I want to buy my meat from that guy. Find out how you can get involved with them. Make friends. Mm-hmm. create that's that big. network right now. That's what it is. I mean, that's what we're doing yeah. right now. That's what you got people watching this show. We've got people interested and it may not necessarily just be your local. We're here. We've got huge interconnected national global internet, you know, networks. Now we we're in a, in a position as society where we've evolved to the point where we can literally connect with anybody globally. That is, can be a massive tool for centralization, sure, but it is also a very, very powerful tool for the individual if you use it right. So go out and form those networks with individual people who can help you in building your own independence instead of relying on it as a way to, you know, well, rely on someone else exclusively for your needs. That's our whole theme in Road to Autonomy <laughs> magazine, like the right? total thing and, and RTA radio. That's our whole bag is like diversify your skills, diversify yeah. your network, uh, get your connections kind of built with with a multitude of people. Yep. I ran into this last month. My coffee guy had a baby. Congratulations. And uh, my coffee guy was not answering his his messages because he had a baby. So he was like enjoying having a baby, right? Life happens. So, you know? <laughs> so I was coffee like, coffee just goes to the side when you're caring for a child that just became right. part of the world. Yeah, right. And so I did not diversify my coffee well, and so that's actually how you and I met. Is right. Um, yeah, I you was looking a for a coffee going, guy. I, I need a coffee guy, and I'm like, I, I know a, a guy. guy. <laughs> and you did know a guy, and let me tell you, that guy is awesome. Awesome. I have awesome. been like chugging. He's, awesome. this He's the one that was really so. the biggest like driving force to kick me in the ass and start going with the content creation thing too. Good so, for him. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's good people. That's awesome. But, yeah. He's in our group chat too. Um, and yeah, so that's yeah. really great. So um, so it's really it's it's all everything that we discuss. You know, is is getting your your skills built up and getting your network done, and that's right. that's amazing. That's our whole well, game. As love, much as everybody loves to have that lone wolf prepper fantasy of oh, I'm I'm, I'm going to stock up. I've got all my my beans and bullets and my band aids, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna survive the world. You know, the Walking Dead's going to happen. It's going to be a real thing, and I'm going to hole up and in my fortress and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. No, the thing is what, when we say autonomy, everybody thinks that means being completely independent from the world and you're going to be able to survive yourself. Newsflash. There's not a single one of us that can survive without other people. Correct. Not a one of us can do everything ourselves. No matter how well prepped you are, we are social animals. We have only mm-hmm. reached this height of society that we have and built these systems to be as, you know, prevalent as we are on this planet because we are a social creature that depend on each other we all have our place we don't all have to be cogs in the wheel of the giant system that's controlled by a bunch of oligarchs no but we do need networks we need people we have to have the village to make it yeah so if you are thinking you're you're gonna if you're that guy who has stocked up a bunch of shit and is sitting back going i don't need anybody you're going to be one of the first casualties if things ever get really bad. So I hate to break it to you, but build your networks now. Go out and make some friends. 
It's big. <laughs> I lived in the mountains uh, just a few years ago when my kid was really small and we lived in the remote mountains of Colorado, uh, like on propane. We didn't have water. We had a well, like uh, we were out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And um, I was uh, and have been that that guy that's always like, I'm going to survive on my own. Like that's right. that's been my whole bag. And that's changed a lot over the years. But one of those times our well froze and we couldn't get water. Right. And, um, you know, as prepared as you are, you're not prepared for a frozen well. So what do you do? Right. So yeah. we, we happened to meet our neighbors and thank goodness we did. And we were friendly with them. And one of the neighbors had experienced that before. Cause they're all like old, you know, like mountaineers, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. the guy had a welder and he hooked up a welder to the well pipe and just ran a current through the liner of the well Got and melted it that way. Yep. Yeah. In like 10 minutes and was like, you know, like no problem. Didn't, didn't ask for anything, you know? And right. so it was just like, you need people, you know, for like the, exactly. You have sometimes to. Well, the most random things. But well, you, you said you, people. you guys were, you were relying on propane, right? Well, did propane you, guy. Right. Yeah, I was we, just, I'm like, did, did you guys have a, a, a freaking natural gas well where you harvested your own fruit? Is that, but we exactly. don't think about that, you know, as much as we want to yep. be independent and we should, we should want to be able to be as independent as we can. You take for granted a lot of the stuff that is there because yes. of society. Like, oh, well, I don't need nobody. I'll just go on down and fill my propane tank up. It's like, well, you know what? Yep. The last spring where I was uh, in Texas during the blizzard and I was frozen in place in my work van for three days with no power and relying on electric heat like an idiot at an RV park while I was trying to help a customer out in February. Uh, I made it. I survived. I dealt with it because I had a cold weather sleeping bag from when I lived up north with me. I lived in the bag of my mm -hmm. own farts for four days. You know, <laughs> I didn't have a way to, we're dealing with rolling blackouts, even though I had electrical hookup. Well, I had yeah. power in 12 degrees. I had power for about 20 minutes every eight hours. Oh God. I was heating the van with, with uh, tea candles, cooking, boiling food in a Dutch oven inside of a van. I mean, you know, it was interesting. I, I, <laughs> thankfully I've had some cold weather camping experience and I, you know, I was prepared for it, but I grew up up North. Texans are not prepared for this. Our roads were not prepared to deal with this. And oh, then I, when yeah, I, I, I drove, decided I, drove I had to go home because my shit's either going to die from not being able to have water or whatnot, I I had to make it home. I tried trying to find hay on the way there. I stopped at every gas station. 140 mile drive took me seven hours. I took stopped at every gas station and every store on the way back, looking to see if I could get some more propane because I had some, but I was like, I don't know how long this is going to last. Yeah, there was not propane in the state of Texas and the few wow. places that had you could like refill your tanks. I drove by one three mile long wait of people that were going to be disappointed because there wasn't going to be enough propane to fill their tanks up. Holy moly. So think about that. How Ooh. fucked were people going to be if that hadn't been a five day ordeal? Yeah. yeah. Just because that, this region was not built for it. Our plumbing is not deep enough to handle a freeze. It's not built for that. We we don't build this state to handle that kind of winter because it doesn't happen. But that once right. in a hundred year thing left everybody freaking scrambling. Yeah. What if it'd been, what if it'd been a major collapse? What if it hadn't been a temporary thing? Yeah. yeah a lot more people would have died. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, I, I was, I was here. I was yeah. here when that happened. I was driving through. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I it got a little I, bit rough, but I mean, if you knew how to deal with it, you were okay. But a lot of yeah. people weren't prepared for it. Oh Yeah. 
Yeah. Heck, I was I was I was out there driving around cursing at everybody because I, I grew up in the Northeast. So I'm like, yep. I drive in the, yep. I, I learned how to drive in the snow and ice, man. I'm like, and I'm whipping yeah. around in a, in a big old Sprinter van, and these idiots are crawling around in their four wheel drives. I'm like, get the, yep. the just get off the road. I was in e, I was in an E350, 4350, big old work van. I'd set up. I could camp in it too because I I hate staying at a hotel unless I have to, you know. And it's way cheaper, and I just don't want to be around people. I don't want to stay at some cheap. So crappy motel six for 80 bucks a night where I can get a spot at a state park for my state park pass for like 15 bucks a night, not have to deal with people. Fuck it. Yeah. You know? So that's what I was set up to deal with. Well, yeah, I, I I'm 140 miles from home. I was planning on going home. I had this spot at an RV park for the night because it was a two day job. Yeah. I'm sitting there <laughs> looking at everything coming down going, we don't have snow plows here. We don't have ice or, you know, salt. There's no salt trucks going to be out there. And the scariest part about being on the road in Texas during a blizzard is not the conditions. It's the Texans. Oh, yeah. I'm going, I'm weighing the odds in my head. Are like, what are the odds I'm going to make it home and not end up in a ditch dead somewhere because I got hit by somebody who lost control of their vehicle because they don't know how to drive in it. So I was like, you know, hey. let me wait it out and let it defrost. Then I got to that point where finally I was like, I'm going to have to try to just make it through. And on my way home, in my two-wheel drive E350, I helped pull five different four-wheel drive trucks out with a chain <laughs> back <laughs> onto the road. And a lot of those guys have been stuck for eight hours plus. Oh, they, God. They didn't see the road. They have no idea. And I, mean, I can't really fault them because it's not their normal, de you know, their normal thing. Yeah. You know, no, no, like I said, I was so, here. I, I'm not I gonna give them a gift for it. They didn't grow up in the Midwest like I did, but yeah. I they're looking at me like, well, then you got a four-wheel drive in. No, I just know how to drive in this shit. Yeah. It makes a difference, you know. And the other thing is four-wheel drive does kind of make you cocky. Because yeah, oh yeah, I, I can get 100%. out of percent Four-wheel drive will get you into shit way faster if you think you can get out of everything, you know. And you oh, know, yeah. it yeah. doesn't matter how much of a, a a tiny dick truck you've got. It, you're gonna, <laughs> if if the road if suddenly the road underneath of you is ice and you don't know how to drive on ice, you're in trouble. So yep. But that comes back to just being prepared with basic skills. You know, put yourself in an environment you're not used to now and then. Test yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. well, I'm just I'm looking at the time. We are going to have to get wrapping up with the show. Oh, I'm sure. just, just I do uh, ramble. Oh no, no, it's it's great. I, I I'm, <laughs> so do we. I, 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 I'm known to ramble myself. Um, <laughs> ver verbose is a word uh, often associated with me. Um, yeah. But uh, just because of the recording issue, I want to make sure we actually get the oh, show without it without it cut, cutting off. Um, right. But this has been great. We we could go for hours, and uh, I'm uh, sure we'll, we'll have to have you back again at some point. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, and uh, obviously, like I said, we're gonna we're, you and I will have to talk uh, talk offline a little bit more because I'm very interested in a lot of the things you do, and I happen to be right. passing by your area on a regular basis. Um, yes. Awesome. But before we get going, um, thank you obviously for giving us some time today. Oh, no and, problem. Uh, is Glad there anything you, is there anything you want to plug before we uh, any 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 closing remarks you want to give before we uh, shut it down for the day? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and well, hopefully uh, y'all have been uh, kind of listening to the show and keeping up with all this stuff. But if you want to follow me uh, and my podcast and the stuff that I try to put out as far as you know social media type stuff, the easiest place to kind of find all that stuff is going to be live.libertymeet.solutions. That's the address. Uh, I've got my live stream for YouTube and stuff that goes up there all the time. Uh, and I've got all the social media links and stuff like that. Uh, and you can find links to all the affiliate stuff that I'll, I'll post and crap there too. Or renegadebutcher.com too. That's where I've got more of the merch type stuff and the seasoning bl uh, blend that we're going to try to launch. So you, they should all be interlinked. You can find all that. But if you really want to kind of get involved with it and talk to me and ask some questions or whatnot, easiest way to do it is to find me on Telegram. You can find me at uh, 
uh, t.me slash Liberty Meat Solutions, but you can put in Liberty Meat Chat. Uh, we've got a chat group over there. It's got like 70, 80 people now. And mostly that's the topic. If you're interested in raising your own meat, processing it, learning about it, that's where to find it. And if we start being able to do classes, if we can get more content out, anything like that, that gets posted up there. So the Telegram is kind of the hub of where we spend most of the social media time. But if you look up Renegade Butcher pretty much anywhere on social media, I've got a presence about anywhere and you can usually find a way to contact me there. Excellent. Well, obviously, we'll put uh, most of that stuff in the show notes. So, um, yeah, thank you. uh, Thank you once again. Uh, Jackie, you have anything else you want to say before we uh, close out? No, I'm just really happy that we connected to share a coffee guy and to grow our network because I'm all about it, too. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, this is uh this has been wonderful. Like I said, for for me personally, I, I think this is uh something that can greatly benefit me because I've been looking at doing this type of stuff anyway. And um, just going back quickly to what you were saying before about you know growing your network and um, if you don't you know if you if you don't think you can do this type of thing, once again, I live in a van. <laughs> I still exactly. figured out I still figured out a way to get some of my own food sourced. But you know, by either myself or people I know, like you were talking about, because you built about, your network, like, built, but you know, I, I I have a place where I can have a, a continuous supply of at least lamb meat for now, and and other things right. too, if I wanna if I want to uh, spend some more money. Yum. But um, my my initial investment in just a couple of lambs um, has now produced mm-hmm. uh, two years already, and and I have another stockpile of at least another two years more already of meat built up. So, um, yeah. you know, if, again, like I said earlier, if I, if an idiot like me can do this type of stuff any of you can so uh yeah don't 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 think that you can't just because you don't have the time space whatever um things can always be arranged so all right with that we will get closing out thank you everybody as always for listening once again if you want to check out the full show um because i'm sure we'll talk a little bit after this too um and the video of this these wonderful conversations please consider checking out our patreon and of course if you are anti-patreon which i understand a lot of people are just contact us and there's other ways we can uh if you want to uh, support us um cryptocurrencies whatnot um we can hook you up with that and still give you access to all these things so uh once again thank you everybody this has been OTA radio and uh we'll catch you all next time love peace and all the interaction for all is it any wonder crime is everywhere